this episode of Hoopsology. We're going to talk about the Lakers advancing to the NBA Finals. We're going to talk about the Denver Nuggets' future. We'll cover the Eastern Conference and who Matt predicts will advance to face the Lakers in the Finals. We'll talk about Tyler Hero, more Clippers drama, Billy Donovan being hired by the Bulls, and so much more. Ladies and gentlemen, what is up? This is Matt from Hoopsology, and... I am a one-man wolf pack today. Justin is on vacation this weekend. He told me, hey, go ahead and record the show. You got this, right? And I said, sure, I'll do it. I'll do it solo. No worries, man. No, I'm just kidding. Justin prepped me, got me ready for this. But, you know, I, I got to say I'm a, I'm a little bit nervous recording this because Justin is is really the point guard of the show. He really keeps our framework together, keeps our flow going. So I'm hoping this doesn't sound too much like, I don't know, when maybe you remember there were times when Shaquille O'Neal would grab a rebound and and Shaq would take it down the court, maybe dribble it, cross it through his legs a few times, get a little cute with it. I'm hoping I can have a little more organization to the show than that, but just as much entertainment. I hope. So anyway, a little bit of housekeeping before we get into it. As always, you are welcome to get into in touch with the show however you like. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, we are Hoopsology Pod. Facebook, we're Hoopsology. YouTube, Hoopsology Podcast. You can email us with your feedback, questions, comments, topics you want to discuss. Hoopsologypod at gmail.com. And you can listen to us. I mean, obviously, you already found us, but you can listen to us anywhere that you listen to your podcasts. As always, we appreciate your support, and we appreciate it if you give us a rating on iTunes. Really helps us out. Five-star ratings especially, we appreciate that. Maybe if you have a one-star rating, shoot us an email first so we can apologize and beg for a greater rating. No, I'm just kidding. Rate us appropriately. We appreciate your feedback and support. So let's dive into this. When we left off last week, we had, let's see, the this was last Sunday. The Lakers were up 1-0 against Denver. And Boston was down one games to two against Miami. So Miami was up 2-1 to one, would be the normal way to say that. And now we are in a situation where last night... The Lakers closed their series against the Nuggets. We're going to talk about that. And the Celtics are down. So I'm sorry, let me say it the normal way. The Heat lead 3-2 against the Celtics in the East. And they tip off in just a few hours here. We're going to talk about that as well. We're going to talk about the rise of some players, the impact of certain players, Uh, of recent events, especially one Mr. Tyler Hero from the Miami Heat. We're going to talk about more Clippers drama today. We're going to talk about Billy Donovan being hired. And then we have some other stuff as well to discuss at the end of the show. So no shortage of topics to discuss both on and off the court in the NBA this week. Let's start first with the Los Angeles Lakers. They advance defeating... The Denver Nuggets score final score was 117 to 107 last night, Saturday the 26th. And the Lakers are back in the finals 
for the first time since 2010, which is great for them. They've been rebuilding all these years uh, or more, more likely reloading with all the free agents that have come in and out of L.A. over the past decade. Um, and then for the Nuggets, this, this team has a really bright future. Um, and, and what I want to say here before we move on to the Nuggets, um, you have to give LeBron credit where credit's due. He was amazing in this closeout game, 38 points, 16 rebounds, 10 assists, and a steal. He was complimented by Anthony Davis throughout the entire series. Anthony Davis was amazing. This last game, 27 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, and 2 steals. Um, and it was questionable if Anthony Davis was going to play because he had a sprained ankle, turned out to be not as serious as it seemed to me anyway initially. So he was able to play 34 minutes in this closeout game. Uh, Dwight Howard also contributed nine points, nine boards in 35 minutes. Uh, Danny Green had 11 points, not much else. And basically it was just a balanced effort all around. But most of it came from LeBron James and Anthony Davis, as you might suspect. Another thing to mention that was a, a highlight for this series was in Game 4, so the game before this, LeBron James decided in the fourth quarter he was going to shut down Jamal Murray from the Nuggets. The Nuggets' most talented scorer, I would say, just about everyone would agree with that statement. LeBron James decided he was going to close out on him. He was going to shut him down, and he was successful. I don't think, uh, I don't think Jamal Murray was able to even score in that fourth quarter in Game Four. If he did, maybe he had a free throw or two. Um, anyway, very much similar to in 2011 when the Heat made their trip, their first trip together to the finals. The LeBron James-led Miami Heat, that big three team. You know, you remember with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. Well, LeBron James decided one game that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to man up against Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose was the MVP in 2011. LeBron James felt wrongfully so that, that Derrick Rose was awarded this MVP. To be honest, LeBron James deserved the MVP that year. I think a lot of the reason he didn't get it was, for one thing, the team he was running with. For another thing, the villain narrative that the media had going on him and the way people hated the decision. The decision. There was just no chance that LeBron James was going to win that award. So this, this year, this has very much echoes of that same situation. But let's keep in mind, this is year 17 for LeBron James. I mean, this is incredible. Just incredible. You've had LeBron James in the finals nine of the last 10 years. Nine of the last 10 years. The only year, so since 2011, he's been in the finals every year except for 2019 when he was injured and the Lakers didn't make the playoffs. So, incredible run. You have to give credit where credit's due. When you start talking about a player in terms of things that the Celtics in the 60s did, now granted LeBron James hasn't won as many of those finals as the Celtics did back then, but in the free agent era, in the modern era of the NBA, this is just incredible and unprecedented. Lots of different challenges with 
30 teams in the league that those Celtics didn't face uh, back in the 60s. So you have to give credit where credit's due. I've been a little bit critical of LeBron lately. I haven't liked some of the comments that he's made in the press. I was a little critical of him last week on his MVP comments and complaining about narrative when really, in my opinion, that's the reason he was in the MVP race. However, credit where credit's due. LeBron has played outstanding basketball this entire postseason. He looks like the rightful MVP right now, and he's performing at the right time. Now, look, MVP is a regular season award. As we talked about last week, Giannis earned it. Giannis earned it with that work, with his statistics, with leading the Bucks the way he did to the best record in the NBA. But LeBron looks like the best player in the league once again. Even Kawhi Leonard out of the playoffs in the second round. So it looks like LeBron is holding that best in the NBA title belt once again. And of course, that's very debatable, I realize. And um, But you have to give credit where credit's due again. And, and what he's doing at his age is incredible. Okay, so once again, the Lakers advance to the finals. This will be LeBron's 10th finals appearance on the other side with the nuggets you really had nobody who could stand out this last game and perhaps it's fatigue from coming back down three games to one in each of their last two series so in the first round and the second round they came back from those deficits this team showed a lot of heart this team will be back next year Um, Just to show the line here, Jeremy Grant, 20 points, 9 rebounds. Paul Millsap, 13 points, 4 boards. So not a great game from Millsap in 30 minutes. Jokic, 20 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists. Um, Harris, 3 points, 2 rebounds in 13 minutes. Jamal Murray, 19 points, 4 rebounds, 8 assists. Um, So, look, nobody really scored any more than 20 points. We weren't able to see Jamal Murray be that that spark that he had been in the previous two rounds. And credit to the Lakers for containing him. But to look at the Nuggets and look at the outlook of their future. This, this team's going to be around, I think, in the Western Conference Finals for at least the next two seasons I, I would say that's not out of reach now. A lot can happen between now and then. But I think it's highly likely that these guys can get back to the Western Conference Finals. Uh, if you look at key pieces that they lose uh, for next season, you're looking at Paul Millsap, who's 35 anyway. He, he has a good veteran presence on that team. But they'll be losing his $30 million salary. So perhaps they can sign even more effective pieces and, and maybe, um, you know, they're, I haven't really seen anything about their plans with whether they're going to re-sign him, whether he's going to look for another team. Um, but if you look at the core of this team, Jokic will be back for the foreseeable future, and I doubt they let him go if at all possible. Gary Harris will be back. Jokic is 25. Gary Harris, 26. He will be back. Um Will Barton will be back. He's 29. Um, Jeremy Grant, 26. He will be back next year. 
Jamal Murray is back for the long haul. He's he's under contract the longest of everyone on the team, and he's only 23. And you talk about taking a step up this postseason. I mean, he was drawing comparisons to Steph Curry, and rightfully so in, in a lot of these games, um, especially the way he was able to do this against the Clippers. And, I mean, you had several performances where I, I think it was three games where he had above 50 points in the playoffs. So not only proving this throughout the regular season, but now doing it in the playoffs. Um, and then you also have Michael Porter Jr., who's 22, and he has also been a great offensive weapon for this team. You'd imagine they are going to try and keep Jokic, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter, and Gary Harris together for as long as possible and try to get some other helpful pieces around them. So those guys are locked up at least through 2021-2022, uh, the 2021-2022 NBA season. And it's just a great foundation to have for this team. I mean, they a lot of people accept that Jokic is now the best center in the NBA. I think a lot of that depends on if you count Anthony Davis as a center or not. But the fact that that's not a ridiculous thing to say at this point, and he is definitely the best passing center in league history, they are really fun to watch. They're, they're, they should be a top league pass team next year uh, if they weren't already this year because now – People know about them a little bit more. Jamal Murray, maybe he's not a household name quite yet, but he is definitely an, an NBA fan's household name. So so for the family that watches NBA basketball together or friends that watch NBA basketball together, you know who Jamal Murray is now if you didn't before this postseason. Again, like I said, this team will be back, and it's going to be really fun to watch we're going to talk about it later i don't think the clippers will be back in this spot next year so now let's talk about the other side the eastern conference finals where again we have the heat leading three games to two game six is tonight tipping off actually in just a little bit i did pick the heat in six i'm gonna stay with that pick i think the heat get the win tonight even though the celtics are three and a half point favors favorites I think you'd have to be crazy to bet on this game, but then again, maybe you just have to be a little bit crazy to bet on playoff basketball anyway. But, you know, I don't have a whole lot to say about this series because it's it's been so back and forth and it's been tough to get a read on either of these teams. Both teams have been inconsistent and I think it's for different reasons. For the Miami Heat, I mean, Jimmy Butler, their their star player, their leader, their alpha dog that we talked about last week, he's a guy who can really command the pace of a game. He can slow things down, play that half-court iso basketball, get his own shot. But he's relying on a cast of very, very young players around him. I mean, other than Dragic, who's a seasoned veteran as well, um, you're relying on Duncan Robinson. You're relying on Tyler Hero, who is great in Game 4. We'll talk about that. You're relying on Bam Adebayo, who's 
again, he's been excellent. Um, he's showcased so many talents for a big. Um, many argued, myself included, that he should have been most improved player this year. So you have a lot of talent on here, but I think when you are relying on young talent, it's it's more difficult to know what you're going to get from night to night. So we've seen um, we've seen letdowns. Like for example, game four, we see Tyler Hero go off for. 37 points, six boards, three assists. It was his career-high scoring night. He's 20 years old. It's amazing. Um, I, I love what I'm seeing from Tyler Hero. Uh, we'll just get this out of the way right now since I have Tyler Hero on my list of things to talk about. I, I think he is a potential multi-time All-Star. I mean, you know, like six-plus-time All-Star with the way that he shoots with confidence, with the way that his shot can help him create. He's not quite the creator that, you know, someone like a Luka Doncic is or someone like that, but he looks similar in that he has those flashes of brilliance. He has this this next level of creativity about his game. Um, I would say that his is a little bit less based on vision, court vision, like Luca's is, and more on confidence and quick release of his shot. Although Luca certainly has a lot of that too, as he proved against the Clippers. Lots of people proving stuff against the Clippers this year. Sorry, Clippers. I, I keep ripping on you. Um, and I really don't hate that franchise. It's just, man, what a letdown. Anyway, stay on topic, Matt. So, you're relying on a lot of young talent on the Heat. In Game 5, Tyler Hero wasn't nearly as dynamic. Um, you know, Obviously did not go off for 37 points like he did in Game 4. So I think it can be really, really tough to close out a series when you don't know exactly where your production is coming from. Because even Jimmy Butler, I mean, there's been games in this playoffs where he scored 12 points but had a great impact on the game. I mean, it wasn't a terrible game, but you need that lead score. You need that lead source of points at the end of the day. And so when it isn't always coming from one place, that gets difficult. Now, the Celtics, Justin said last week, and I agree with him, that there is more talent on this Celtics team than on the Miami Heat team. I think there are also larger gaps where talent is lacking like with their bigs although their bigs were actually great in in game five um like um daniel tice you know was able to produce get some rebounds get some putbacks things like that um but overall a very very young team and i just don't know that there's going to be as much urgency for the celtics to close out this series because they are overall so much younger than the Heat. I, I think it's it's just always tougher to appreciate the moment and live in the moment when your star player is as young as Jason Tatum is, as young as Marcus Smart even, as, as hard as he tries and works, when your stars, one of your stars is as young as uh, Jalen Brown is. I, I think it's tough to appreciate and live in the moment seize that series while you're there even though this squad has had a lot of playoff experience together there's really no one here and you can't say Kemba Walker because he doesn't have a lot of playoff experience 
if any, if I'm not mistaken, maybe maybe uh, you know like a first round. I'd have to look that up to be honest. But I nothing nothing past the first round certainly on his Bobcats career. So I do think the Heat will close this out. Reason being that there is more urgency coming from. Jimmy Butler. This may be the last time Jimmy Butler can make a finals. As crazy as that sounds with as awesome as the Heat is and with as amazing of a young talent as Tyler Hero is, you just don't know. With Giannis, Toronto could come back strong next year. And the the Nets, we have to keep in mind, KD and Kyrie are coming. And they are, many people already have them penciled in as the number one seed next year, even eclipsing Giannis and the Bucks. So you just don't know if things are going to open up like this again for the Heat. I think there's more urgency. I think they will get this done, but it's tough to say. I mean, because again, Jason Tatum has been electrifying. Like in, in game five, he was great. But there's also been halves, whole halves of basketball where he's pretty much taken off, not not really been there, not really seemed, again, present in the moment. So I like the Heat to close out this series. I, I think the Celtics would provide a tougher challenge for the Lakers than the Heat would, to be honest, as, as much momentum and love as this heat team is getting especially for me let's be honest because i i love the miami heat i love this organization but so so let's talk about let's since we're dancing around this topic anyway let's talk about a quick finals prediction either way i think the lakers are favored i'm gonna take the lakers in i'm gonna take the lakers in six games if they match up against the Heat, I'm going to take the Lakers in six games, even if they match up against the Celtics, although I do think the Celtics have the potential to stun the Heat. Um, look, the Lakers just have so much talent at the top end there. I mean, when, when you look at either the Heat or the Celtics, if we're looking at both rosters and we say, Who's the most talented guy in the series? You're either going to pick AD or LeBron James. Probably LeBron James with the way he's been playing lately. And then the second guy, no matter which of these teams, I think you're still going to pick one of LeBron James or Anthony Davis. Even if the Celtics get in and they have Tatum, who's been pretty amazing overall in the playoffs, definitely productive, um... It's there's just so much talent on the top end here, and again, when you get deeper and deeper into the playoffs, the team that has the most consistent production at the top usually wins. And you can always count on production from LeBron James and Anthony Davis in this playoffs. You really haven't seen any duds from them over the course of of any of these series. I mean, the the Lakers were a little lethargic out the gate. I mean, certainly in bubble scrimmages, which doesn't really count, and then bubble regular season. Justin and I talked about how we didn't like the fit of this team. That's all over now. I mean, this this team is firing on all cylinders. Rondo looks at least capable now that he's back with the team. 
and I think now that these guys are in the finals, I mean they they are locked in, and I I just can't pick the Heat or the Celtics over them as much as I I may like to, especially with the Heat and how much I love that franchise. Um, could I be wrong? Certainly, certainly. I, I could be totally wrong about what Jimmy Butler is going to bring to the table for the Miami Heat in the finals, but you just have so much experience with LeBron getting to the finals there. I don't even think it matters that I don't like Frank Vogel as much of a coach as I do against, again, either team from the East. I I think there's just too much talent at the top end of this Lakers roster to be stopped. And maybe I'll be wrong. We'll see what happens. But again, against either team, I'm going for Lakers in six. It wouldn't shock me if the Lakers could just run over the Heat in five games, as much as I love that team again. So I didn't want to spend too much time on that because we don't know the end result of what's going to happen in the Eastern Conference. Um, So let's move on. And I'll be glad to catch up with Justin on these conference finals when he is back next week. So let's move on and let's talk about the Clippers since I've been ripping on them. We have, part of the reason they are fresh on my mind, we had reports early in the week. I'm going to pull up some statements here. This from a post from Shams Sharania. Sorry if I'm (laughs) mispronouncing that. He's basically Woj. 2.0, 2.0, works for The Athletic. Uh, this from Bleacher Report posting this, but it comes from Shams. Uh, after the Clippers lost Game 7, Paul George gave a locker room speech to his teammates about staying committed for another title run next year. Was this year a title run? Really? Okay, sorry, that was, that was my interjection there. Uh, quote, back to the tweet, quote, It was met by some eye rolls and bewilderment. So, not a great feel in Clipperland, as we've suspected. Chemistry issues. Look, it it was apparent when they were eliminated. And really, I mean, since the playoffs started, it just seemed like something was wrong with the Clippers. Dallas was able to run over them in in certain games. We had that Luka buzzer-beater etc. We, we saw the Nuggets just make them look silly in several of those games. Nuggets being able to come back down three games to one. Okay, here's some more. This is from Chris Broussard, NBA insider with uh, Fox Sports, Fox Sports 1. Okay, quote, I've been told some of the Clippers role players actually think they're as good as Paul George. They're having problems with the special treatment he's gotten from Doc Rivers. They can handle Kawhi getting special treatment because for the most part, he delivered. From Chris Broussard, end quote there. So look, chemistry looks terrible on this Clippers team. I don't really see their roster getting better next year. I I could stand corrected on that for sure. But look, they're not getting draft picks because of everything they gave up to get Paul George. You have eye rolls when Paul George is talking about people coming back and making another title run. So look, Paul George is is talking 
Justin and I talked about his post-game comments after the Clippers were eliminated, basically saying, you know, this wasn't expected to be a title right away, and that's not a direct quote. I'm, I'm paraphrasing there, but it, it just seems weird. It just seems off on the Clippers, and there's too many concerns here. I mean, you, you have, for one thing, health concerns with both Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, and we don't know if these were reasons that the Clippers struggled this playoffs, maybe Kawhi wasn't 100%. Maybe he's still he's still dealing with knee issues. Um, and Paul George has always been, you know, at, at injury risk ever since that horrific injury that he had in, uh, I believe it was the, the World um, Championship run, um, the World Tournament. Um could have been the the Olympics, but I'm pretty sure it's one of the world uh, tournaments. Anyway, you have chemistry issues, you have potential in injury issues, so it just feels to me like this Clippers team is due to collapse, and this is a franchise that does not have an NBA title and now is not getting one soon. So I I just think for me I am selling all my Clippers stock. I didn't really have much to begin with, but I, I can tell you right now I will not be picking them to be title favorites next year unless something incredible happens in in the off season. Some some type of crazy trade that we didn't see happening because Harrell is potentially leaving in free agency. I don't sounds like from those reports not many players are going to be wanting to stay. Um, so I, I just think it's a bad vibe with the Clippers. They're probably going to feel even worse, let's be honest, with the Lakers being the title favorites. If, if the Lakers go ahead and win the title, <laughs> I mean, that, that's going to make them feel like the secondary team that they are in L.A., even more so. I, I just think it's bad news, and I think it's only been one year, but... Pencil it in for me that this Clippers experiment is is already over, at least so long as Paul George is on the roster. And you're in a situation where they have this next year together. But keep in mind, after next season, at the end of 2021, Kawhi and Paul George can both leave. And I think Steve Ballmer's great. I think Doc Rivers is great, even though we expressed some concerns about him staying on as the head coach. In last week's episode, you can check out our thoughts on that. But I I just think it feels like this is over already, and this is going to implode after 2021. All right, let's move on and talk about Billy Donovan next. This is an article from the Associated Press. Title is, For former OKC Thunder coach Billy Donovan, job with Chicago Bulls, quote, came out of left field, and this is by Andrew Seligman. So I wanted to read a few paragraphs from this. So, quote, the Bulls introduced Donovan as their coach on Thursday, two days after they announced they landed arguably the most attractive candidate on the market to help turn around a struggling team with new management. Donovan goes from working with stars such as Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, Paul George, and Chris Paul to trying to lift a franchise with one playoff appearance in five seasons. He was 243 
wins to 157 losses with the Thunder and led them to the playoffs each of his five seasons with the team. Donovan was a finalist for NBA Coach of the Year this season after Oklahoma City outperformed expectations. He split with the Thunder on September 8th after he couldn't get the assurances he wanted from general manager Sam Presti. On Thursday, he pushed back on the idea that he was against coaching a rebuilding team, pointing out he built a powerhouse at Florida before he moved to the NBA. Moving down further in the article, quote, Hiring Donovan was a rare, big, and bold move for the Bulls. It also hammered home they have a different vision now for building a contending team. With the players they have and future cap space available, they believe they are in position. End quote. Okay, so this is a great hire for the Bulls. Justin is a diehard Bulls fan. He was excited about this news. Billy Donovan was a top candidate for Coach of the Year this past season, rightfully so. He took a Thunder team that many people projected wouldn't even be making the playoffs and got them to the fifth seed in the West. They did lose in the first round to the Houston Rockets, but he had a great season, and and he deserved praise in the realm of Coach of the Year um, worthy praise. So, I, I don't think Billy Donovan is a top-tier coach quite yet in the NBA, so we have to take the good and the bad. He's, he's great this year with Thunder, but if you'll remember, he also was coaching the Thunder when Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook underperformed, and that Thunder team lost, being up three games to two to the Golden State Warriors. He was coach at that time. He was also coach... Russell Westbrook's MVP season when Russell Westbrook and Paul George were together. They had a disappointing playoff run. So there's been good and bad with Billy Donovan, but ultimately I think with the Bulls, with the roster, which both the, the Bulls GM and Billy Donovan said they're excited about. I mean, obviously that's that's what you say in a PR conference in, in an announcing the coach type conference, you're going to say that. But there's a lot of issues with this Bulls roster. But I do think Billy Donovan is a great get for them. He is certainly a, a vast improvement from Jim Boylan. Justin is, is really excited about it. And that tells me everything I need to know. Um, I think in terms of projecting how Billy Donovan is going to do or maybe what is the greatest kind of ceiling for him. I don't think he's he's a coach that gets you to the title. I, I don't think he's a coach that coaches stars to NBA championships, but I at least not yet at this point. I'm not saying Billy Donovan doesn't know how to coach. He certainly does. He's a fantastic basketball coach. But I, I think more if he could be the Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson, of course, built up that Warriors team and kind of set the table for Steve Kerr to take over and win championships. If if he could be at his highest ceiling a Mark Jackson for the Chicago Bulls, then I think you are getting far more than your your money's worth and far more than you probably even bargained for him signing him on. And I do think that is his potential is that he could turn around the direction of this franchise and make them a consistent winner again provided he has 
cooperation from the front office. That might be a big if. But congratulations to the Bulls. The East is wide open, at least in terms of getting a playoff spot. I do think the Bulls will be in the playoffs next year under his um, under his coaching. So it's a great get for the Bulls. They want to be contending. I don't think they can get very far with Zach Levine as their number one guy, but we'll see if they can either develop some of the other players on that roster or maybe now that they have Billy Donovan, maybe other free agents will be more willing to check out Chicago. Hopefully that's the case for them. I would love to see Justin, my co-host, giddy about the Bulls being uh, making some noise in the playoffs again. I mean, I'm sure even if that's only in round one or round two, that's still going to be better than where it's been these past couple years. And, you know, being a 90s kid, I have a soft spot for the Bulls too. I, I think the league, they're, they're one of those franchises where the league is a little bit better when the Bulls are good. So again, congratulations to them. They have a real chance at contending at least for a playoff spot next year and hopefully building on that into the future. So finally, our, our last topic, and I just want to warn you ahead of time, if, if you've had your fill of the national news, if, if you've had your fill of the Breonna Taylor case, I understand if you don't want to finish listening to this podcast, and I appreciate you being here, and we can check in again next week. But I did feel like it would just be too great of an omission for me to not talk about this because we had the announcement this past Wednesday of charges or lack thereof filed against the police officers involved with the shooting of Breonna Taylor. And Justin and I have talked about activism in the NBA and we've we've talked about this with guests that we've had on. So again, I felt like it would be too much of an omission for me to not at least mention this. There were emotional statements from several players that I'm not going to read, but you can look them up if you would like. reason I'm not reading them off is because they deal mostly with the player's emotions or the broadcaster's emotions. Um, we had, for example, Jalen Rose shout before a commercial break, quote, it's a great it, it's a great day to arrest the officers that murdered Breonna Taylor, end quote. That was Wednesday night. Um, the quote that I want to read, the, this one is maybe the most controversial, and that's one reason to read it. Uh, I think another reason to read it is that I think it provides another level of depth in analyzing this this situation. Um, and I think we're all in agreement that this is a tragedy, this whole case, and we feel terrible that, that this young lady lost her life. It seemed like she had really turned her life around, turned a good corner, and tragically lost her life. I don't really want to comment any more about the case because this isn't a political podcast, for one thing. This isn't um, a crime scene investigation podcast. And I feel like, well, and if you would like to dive further into the specific case, uh, 
you can look it up. And the, the case report is online. Feel free to look that up and read it. Um, but I want to read the quote from Charles Barkley because he adds detail from the case. This was also met with a lot of criticism and pushback. So here's the quote, and you can think of it whatever you like. Quote, I don't think this one was like George Floyd or Ahmaud Arbery and things like that. I feel sad that this young lady lost her life. I think this one was the no-knock warrant is something we need to get rid of across the board, but I'm worried to lump all these situations in together. And I just feel bad that the young lady lost her life. But we do have to take into account that her boyfriend shot at the cops and shot a cop. So like I say, even though I'm really sorry she lost her life, I just don't think we can put this in the same situation as George Floyd or Ahmaud Arbery. I hear these fools on TV talking about defund the police and things like that. I'm like, wait a minute, who are black people supposed to call? Ghostbusters when we have a crime in our neighborhoods, end quote. Later on, Shaq said in the same broadcast, quote, I have to agree with Charles. This one is sort of lumped in. You have to get a warrant signed, and some states do allow no-knock warrants. And everyone was asking for murder charges. When you talk about murder, you have to show intent. A homicide occurs, occurred, and we're sorry a homicide occurred. When you have a warrant signed by the judge, you are doing your job. And I would imagine that you would fire back, end quote. So again, that was Barkley and then followed by Sheck. Now, look, some, some people don't like those quotes. They got a lot of pushback. One thing that I do like about that is they are directing the emotion that they feel in this case. Um, they acknowledge that this is a tragedy as well, and they are directing that motion, emotion into legislative change, which I think is, is one of the ways... Look, it's, it's tragic. There's nothing we can do to bring Breonna Taylor back. One way to honor her life would be to have some sort of legislative change that my understanding is they are still working on in the House. I think there should be some anger directed at the House in general and our representatives that the bill wasn't moved forward for police reform that was pushed, I believe, either in late June or July by Tim Scott. I think there should be some anger in that direction. At this point, unless investigation finds otherwise, I'm not sure that arresting those cops based on, again, the case report is really the way to bring the most justice for the life of Breonna Taylor. I think it is legislative change that can make sure that something of this magnitude and a tragedy like this doesn't happen again. We know that life is tough. Tragedies are undoubtedly going to happen again. But when there are things we can do to avoid further tragedy, further maybe avoidable death, that's something that, that we should definitely look into. So that's all I want to say. And I understand if, if you feel 
differently about that. Look, there, there is gray in this situation. And it's, it's a complicated case. Again, I encourage you to look up the case report. That's going to wrap up the show for today. I hope you had a great weekend. I hope you have a great start of the week. You can support the show. Listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Hoopsology Pod. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. Please give us a rating. Like, share, support the podcast. We appreciate you. We look forward to talking to you again next week. Justin will be back. This will be a two-man operation again. Apologize for the meowing in the back. That is one of my cats going nuts. (laughs) Anyway, hope you have a great start of your week. Talk to you soon. Peace.